asleep. All right, if you turn to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, and we'll read verses 10 through 14. I love you, sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to beat him when I get home. Huh? Yeah, really. I'm going to get beat when I get home. We all pray for me. Show up with bruises Sunday, you know what happened. Galatians 3, read 10 through 14. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law on the side of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let us have a word of prayer. Now, Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Lord, thank you again for allowing us to come and meet and minister here uh, this evening. I pray that you'll fill this sanctuary with your sweet Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, direct us in your word uh, this evening, and that this teaching will be used to glorify you and that will edify the listeners to equip and for further growth in their spiritual walk. We just thank you, love you, and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, let me fix my camera here. I was praying my foot kicked at, but knocked it over. All right, so, um, you know, let's see, I think it was in 2002, they called it the Crybaby Olympics because they uh, uh, were whining and complaining that the judges were not fair uh, during uh, the award ceremony. So, uh, of course, then again, we live in a crybaby nation where everybody is offended and upset and the things... It just blows my mind how easily offended everybody and their brother is anymore. You can't say, nobody has a sense of humor. Uh, you notice that nobody has a sense of humor anymore at all. I'll put something on there. I think it's hilarious to be laughing. Well, now I think, I thought, what? I told Brandon, in fact, I put something on the other day. I thought it was really funny and people were getting all serious. I said, what are they seeing that I don't? I said, I even put laughing emojis on there. I said, what What are they seeing? I don't, I don't get it. Everybody's just so... Uptight, so serious, you know. Well, brother, I wouldn't laugh. It's not a laughing matter, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I put my baby picture on there. Anyway, <laughs> so you know, it is. Um, uh, so anyway, these people they were uh, they were very upset, and you know, if, of course, none of us will ever have to worry about being the Olympics. But uh, you know, it would be tough as a um, uh, as an athlete to train and to work hard and don't feel like you were being judged. Uh, in a proper way that would, would not be good. In fact, if you notice, uh, those who win don't complain, only those who lose complain. <laughs> so, you know, it is, um, as someone who has ran races, and I've never won a race, and uh, uh, I've always enjoyed competing and running and uh, being in those types of situations, and if you do think you're being judged unfairly, then uh, it's not fun by no stretch of the imagination. And, uh, but it's, it's uh, uh, justice to make sure that uh, we are being just. Uh, in fact, I think it was George Washington, well, I know it was George Washington, that had said that uh, due administration of justice is the firm pillar of a good government. Sadly, though, if George Washington was running for president today, he would never make it. Do you ever know? He never thought about it. He's talking about on uh, Fox News this morning, said he would never make it. But, uh, 
it is just being just. You know, a person can say, uh, you know, if someone, say if we're in a, you're in a relationship with somebody and say that I'm uh, being brandy, say if we were in a relationship. And, and, uh, so, and, uh, <laughs> well, I don't think we are. And, uh, but I was not being just to her and then and, and, and did just the opposite of, of showing any kind of the, the, the right attitude, but then I said that I love you, well, that would kind of come into question, wouldn't it? To say that, uh, you know, that, that to not be just, but then to say I love you, it just it don't really, really work that way. But, praise God, that we have a just and fair God, all right? And that because that he is a just and fair God, we are a recipient of his grace. Now, we're, going to, we're getting into this here. I'm kind of kind of building this up here. Now, uh, because uh, Jesus Christ come to fulfill the law, okay, the law of Moses. And um, so if you look at, turn over here, um, if you want to look at Habakkuk, Habakkuk, let's look over here. If you want to turn back um, from Matthew and, and kind of start slowly heading that way back towards your Bibles. Let's see here. I meant to mark this earlier and I forgot Hold on here. There we go. Habakkuk. Go after Micah and, and uh, find Habakkuk. And um, let's see here. Um, yeah, Habakkuk 2, 4. If we look on here, give everybody just a second to turn. Everybody found that yet? I know me and Dad get uh, blamed for moving too quickly. We're looking these up, but Habakkuk 2, 4 says, uh, and we see this again from and what we just read in Galatians here. It says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright, but he, but the just shall live by his faith. Okay? So Habakkuk, you know, he was, he was upset, and, you know, he's asking God, talking to God about, um, uh, you know, how he can tolerate evil and tolerate all these bad things that are happening. And, and, and actually, you see this in verse 2, uh, where the Lord is actually answering him, and this is the vision, and make it plain upon tables that he may run and that readeth it, uh, talking about that, hey, that is, uh, these things are yet to come, all right? The vision is yet to come. And uh, in fact, it was uh, Henry Wadsworth uh, Longfellow that said that the mill of God grindeth slowly, yet they grind very small. In other words, that uh, God's uh, patience is is uh, will not always uh, is it will won't always tolerate the unjust things. All right, and that justice must be served. That's why the cross is the center, the the pinnacle uh, that of our salvation, the cornerstone of our faith, because Jesus Christ come to fulfill the law, and because we could not uh, uh, meet all of its standards. All right, the, when you look at the law, uh, particularly the moral law. Uh, we cannot, uh, there's no way for us to abide by it, all right? In other words, uh, the Apostle Paul, in fact, he backs the people in a corner in regards to this very thing because the Pharisees as such, they, um, they thought that if they lived by the very letter of the law, that that would save them, okay? And, and so there's no way that if we, there's no way for us to, to the only way to salvation is through Christ alone, okay? But uh, there's, you know, if you thought that, that by obeying every letter of the law that would attain your perfection in order if you get to heaven, it would never happen. There's no way in the world it would ever happen. If nothing else, 
just, just the very, the very commandment that Christ gave to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, uh, with all of our strength. We cannot even obey that. Okay, there's no way we can even obey that. So we can, if we keep, if we, or that's why it's called the curse of the law, because it's not the law itself is cursed. Is that the very fact that uh, if we, if that is our mission is to try to uh, fulfill every aspect of law that we are cursed by it because there's no way for us uh, to, uh, to attain perfection by, by obeying every letter of the law. It's only through Christ. He was the only one. You know, Christ didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, all right, and that it would be complete and that his work uh, and atoning work on the cross would save us. It is, his it is our faith through Jesus Christ, grace through faith. That is what saves us. And so it is no work upon our own that we could ever attain salvation. It is our belief in Jesus Christ alone, who was only the only one who was able to fulfill the law, the only one who was perfect enough to fulfill every letter of the law that, so that we could be saved. And that's why my opening scripture was John 3, 16 and 17, because of God's love for us. All right, because God demanded justice. Because our, our because we are wicked and we are evil and God demanded justice. That's why I, I quoted that with uh, with Henry Longsworth, Longsworth Longfellow is that God demanded justice and God's only you know and so that's why He sent His only Son to fulfill that so that He would pay that penalty of sin that that curse would be upon Him. We you know just like the, the little girl got saved Sunday. And I said, do you understand uh, what that means uh, that Jesus Christ uh, uh, died for you? What does that mean? And, and she gave me a very uh, 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 kind of a textbook type of answer. What she said was correct. Uh, she really, what she said was correct. But I want to make sure she completely understood uh, what that means. That Christ atoning work, that vicarious atonement on the cross, that Christ took our place. All right, where every one of us are wicked. Every one of us deserve hell. Every one of us deserve punishment. Every one of us deserve the beating that Christ took. Every one of us deserve to be nailed upon the cross. But out of Christ's love for us, he took our place. And you've heard me use this illustration before. You've heard my dad use this illustration. Is the very fact that if, if uh, say, Hoppy was playing in the middle of the road, all right, and he didn't see a, a bus coming and get ready to run him down, and, uh, and he's trying to say he lost a tool that's in the middle of the road. He didn't see this bus coming. Well, I pushed him out of the way, and I'm the one who got hit by the bus and killed. I did that to save his life. That's what Jesus Christ done. He took our place, even though we deserved that. Here he was. He was innocent, had no sin. He was completely perfect. And we are the ones who deserve it. But he did that out of his love for us to save us. To me, that makes what Christ done so special because he did it out of his personal love for us. You know, when we look here, we're looking also not only about um, uh, talking about the law, all right, but we're looking at redemption, all right, and what that means to be redeemed in Christ Jesus. Because when Jesus Christ, uh, when we talk about redemption, do you, do you fully understand what that means to be redeemed? Do you all understand what that means, all right? To be redeemed, for those who may not know or understand that, is to be, uh, to be ransomed, uh, to be bought out. You know, uh, a slave obviously had to be purchased, had to be bought. Well, we were slaves to sin, 
Every one of us are slaves to sin. All right, There's none righteous, no, not one. And so Jesus Christ purchased us. He paid that ransom. You know, I don't know how many people have ever seen that movie Ransom with Mel Gibson. You know, his, his son was kidnapped and they were wanting all this money and, um, and he piled all that money on a, on a table because he was going to, because they wanted them to, to pay millions of dollars to get his son back. Well, instead of paying it, he said, you're never going to see a penny of this money. And he's going mean, he went after them guys for doing that. But anyway, when, I, when you hear that word ransom, it made me think of that movie for whatever reason. But, uh, but God ransomed us. He paid the price for us so that we were redeemed. All right. Then when we were redeemed, we get eternal life. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We get peace. We get salvation. We get all these things. That's what that redemption means. We get all those benefits given to us because of what Christ gave us. So, you know, here we are adopted to the elect. Now, I know that um, the elect is a, is a very difficult thing to, uh, to understand. And not everybody agrees with that. And, um, and I may be getting into a can of worms here I may not want to get into. But, uh, uh, you know, God, you know, like uh, the son, he's talking about the sanctity of life. And, uh, and God knew us before we were even born in the womb, all right? And uh, uh, he foreknew us. He knew, you know, when Christ died, he didn't die for the whole world because the whole world would not accept him. God did not have to choose anybody, but he chose out of his love for us, he chose to save some. He didn't have to save anybody, all right? And some people may say, well, that's not fair, but he, out of his love, decided to adopt us that he chose those the, the elect all right and that's the ones he died for now we don't know who the elect are and that's why we are uh, that's why in the great commission we're told to go out to all nations and spread the gospel of jesus christ because we don't know who the elect are and that's why it's up to us to go out and spread the gospel of jesus christ to plant that seed so the holy spirit can work and open those hearts and open those minds to come to know jesus christ before it is too late and so um so that's why, you know, that's why God's redemptive work is so important and so special to us because we are adopted. We are joint heirs to the throne of Jesus Christ. You know, that's, that's a wonderful thing. But again, you know, there are those out there uh, when it comes to Old Testament law, when it comes to Mosaic law. Uh, you know, there are some out there who um, think that we are no longer bound by the moral law. And when you look at the moral law that is uh, dealing with um, respect uh, sexuality, the Ten Commandments, those types of situations. And uh, because of Jesus Christ kind of fulfilled the law, the people, some go to the, uh, the complete opposite in the unbiblical uh, sense uh, to say that, um, that we're no longer bound by any type of, of law, particularly the moral law. And that's what is called antinomianism. And uh, that is wrong. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul addressed that very situation. In fact, he said, you know, should you sin, uh, that grace much more should abound. And so we as, as Christians, we are still bound by that moral law. And uh, we, we still uh, want to, to obey uh, Christ. We still want to obey uh, those commandments that God gave us. Why? Because we love him. It's not our works. That's what to get us into heaven. No matter good, this is, this is one thing it's talking about, this one area that it's talking about, no amount of good will get you into heaven. I think that is the, the false sense that a lot of people have is that they think that if I am benevolent, if I am kind, if I am good, if I show up to church, then I will get into heaven. 
Some people, you know, they, they have a false sense of, uh, well, he was a good person and I know he's in heaven. It don't matter how good you are. Again, that's what it's talking about. It, it doesn't matter if you follow every letter of the law, you can still, you will never fulfill it completely. You will, it, there's no way to attain a perfection. There's no way that we can ever fulfill. That's why it's called the curse of the law, because we cannot do that. And because we cannot do that, sadly, there will be a lot of good people in hell. And, and again, people will scream, well, that's not fair. You have a choice. We all have a choice to accept or reject Jesus Christ. You have a choice. You have nobody to blame but yourself. And I heard it a lot growing up when I would do something I shouldn't be supposed to do. You ain't got nobody to blame but yourself. Now get in your room and think about what you've done. You know, and so I would hear that a lot growing up. But, um, uh, but you don't. You have nobody to blame but yourself. Everybody will have heard and had an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ before they die. Everybody. In fact, um, I, read, I sent it to Dad, something I read today I thought was really, really interesting. Um, the uh, the car, um, Steve McQueen, remember from the, the movie Bullet, that Mustang, it sold at auction for like $3.4 million, okay, from an anonymous buyer. They don't know who the, who the buyer was. But here, that's, not what I'm, that's not even what I'm getting at here. That's just a little side note. Franklin Graham had on there that Steve McQueen, before he died, his father, Billy Graham, went to visit him while he was sick, and he accepted Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And Billy Graham gave him a Bible, and that Bible meant so much to him that he had that Bible when he died. So I thought that was, I, I thought that was really neat uh, that Steve McQueen accepted Jesus Christ. And, and so when we get to heaven, we'll get to see Steve McQueen. Ain't that pretty cool? So, uh, but, uh, uh, but that's just it. That's the only way you're going to get into heaven is accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, asking forgiveness of your sins, repenting, and accepting Christ into your heart. That is the only way. It don't matter how many times you come through these doors. It doesn't matter how many times you go through any church doors. That is not going to save you. I don't care how good you are. That is not going to save you. It's only accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior will you enter into heaven. And the reason why, you know, most of you, all of you may be saved in here. Every one of you. But statistically, three-fourths of a congregation are not saved. That's the scary part. If you look at uh, uh, the Barna group and their studies, that three-fourths of a church congregation are not saved. So that's why it's imperative and important that I must preach the gospel and preach it completely so that you understand that no amount of goodness will ever help you to get into heaven. And so we are, it's not antinomianism, which is an unbiblical way of saying, well, I'm not bound by the law. I don't have to do that at all. We still are bound by the moral law. Even though Jesus Christ come to fulfill the law and he took that curse upon him, he took that sin upon him, he fulfilled that. We are still bound by the moral law. Now, we are no longer at like, like the ceremonial laws. We no longer have to sacrifice animals and for that uh, temporary forgiveness of sins because Christ's death on the cross death, burial, resurrection, uh, that fulfilled that law. That service. So we don't want to have to do that, that, that temporary atoning for sin. Christ fulfilled that. And so that's, that's why that's no longer bound. Now, there are certain things in, in, in Old Testament law, obviously, that we're no longer bound by uh, because Christ did fulfill that. But when it comes to the moral law, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, when it comes to those kind of situations, we are bound by that. And, you know, and I think that our world has gotten to a point where there is no, it has really swung towards that idea of antinomianism uh, that uh, we are not bound by that. And I think that's where Paul explicitly addressed that 
And I think that we're seeing that today, that not only are, are you seeing people who are no longer bound by the moral law. Uh, in fact, you know, I think when you look at a lot of churches stuff, they're not preaching those things that are, uh, if it's uh, teaching what is not sexual, you know, things that are sexuality is what I'm getting at here. They don't want to preach those things because it's not comfortable. They don't want to preach that. They don't want to offend anybody. Uh, and the respect and the Ten Commandments, those things. You know, I think if, if families had their, their children in church and they were taught respect, taught the Ten Commandments, man, how much better our world would be, you know? That's, I think that's the problem with our world today is that there is a lack of God in the home and so we've got a bunch of little rugrats there who are so disrespectful to authority, so disrespectful to teachers, so disrespectful because they weren't raised the right way. You know, uh, it is, uh, Brandy was watching Dr. Phil the other day and he said that he doesn't believe in spanking. I don't think it's a thing I'm more wrong with spanking. I don't believe in beating a kid, but I think that's why God put that fleshy part of your backside on there to, you know, to get your attention. Because I'm telling you right now, if all my mom and dad ever did say, well, you're going to get time out, I'd have done whatever I wanted to. What kept me out of a lot of trouble is I knew if I didn't do what I was supposed to, there were consequences. And I didn't want to get a spanking. And was nothing worse. Oh, there was nothing worse. On a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, I'd done something I wasn't supposed to. And me and mom got home and she would look at me and say, you wait till your dad gets home. Oh, there was nothing worse because it's just like the clock. And I was looking, I was thinking, he's going to be home any minute. He's going to be home any minute. <laughs> and I'd hear, what? He did what? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get it. And I got it. So, you know, that was a good deterrent of, I don't want to do that again. So I don't see nothing wrong with spanking. There's other, you know, that's why we need to learn that respect. And likewise, there are consequences to our actions. Yes, God forgives us. God loves us, but there are consequences. And God will gently discipline us and nudge us in the right direction. But, you know, depending on what you have done, well, you know, say if I go out and rob a bank, well, yes, God's going to forgive me. You know, I've asked for forgiveness, but I'm going to spend time in jail. You know, there are consequences to your action. I'm going to go forward and judge it. God forgave me. Well, good. You're going to spend 25 years. So, you know, there's, there's consequences to those actions. But, uh, you know, so we have to keep that in mind. And so that's why we are still bound by that moral law. But um, again, we look here, it says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written. That's what we talk about, the, the curse of the law. That curse is, if you are trying to abide by that outside of Jesus Christ, you are, you are cursed because you can never fulfill that. You, there, there's over 600 Mosaic laws. All right. I think it was like 631, I think. Do you honestly think you could keep all those laws and be perfect enough to get into heaven? It don't matter if you was able to, to obey 99.9%. If Hoppy's able to do, say, or 631 or 633, and, and Hoppy did 632 of those perfectly, guess what? He still ain't perfect enough to get into heaven. He said, I'm sorry, Hoppy. You did 632, but you still couldn't be perfect enough to get in. And uh, so that's just it. And so that's why it's talking about that curse, okay? But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, which I'm talking about, is evident for the just shall live by faith. 
It is that grace through faith. It is that faith. Remember, faith is not something we conjure up on our own. Faith is not something that we, we, we are able to do. It, it, is, it, is, it is that through Christ alone, it is God alone that allows us to have that faith that we need to believe and trust and understand who Jesus Christ is. You know, uh, you see that uh, here doubting Thomas, you know, he had to look at the scars. He had to touch God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed, you know. And yet we see, you know, we, we question sometimes the, um, the Israelites, what they, had, what they had been through, what they had seen, what God brought them through. And you, you question, like, how can they still get discouraged? How can they still question God? But do we not do that every day? We, we can see all the amazing things that God did, not only in his word, but in our lives. But yet, as Christ said, uh, you know, ye of little faith. We have a trust issue. You know, we, we, we trust God, but, you know, how, you know, we still want to take care of things in our own way. We've got to completely trust God. Have faith that he is going to take care of all of our needs. Have faith that he is there. And so we have to trust in him. And I think trust issues, are, uh, you know, they come about depending on how you were raised, uh, how you were treated as a child, uh, relationship issues. So sometimes it's hard for people to trust. But one thing's for sure, God is constant. If we don't trust anything or anybody else in this world, we know we can trust God. And so that's why we need to trust in him, have faith that he's going to take care of us. He's going to help us get through any problem, any situation. He's going to help us to endure, to persevere. And so we need to have that enduring faith and trust in him. And if you lack that trust, if you lack that faith, then you need to bring that for God the Father and say, Lord, help me to have more faith, to have more trust, to realize I can do nothing on my own. And I think that goes back to that control issue. Our selfishness, we think we can control everything. And we are in control of nothing. That's why we have to work even harder. God, you're in control. God, let me have faith in you. And again, that only comes by studying the word, spending that time in prayer. When you spend that time in prayer, when you spend that time in the word, we are showing and proving that we are humbling ourselves before God Almighty and showing that he is truly in control. And when you go humble ourselves before God, then that's when God can work and do mighty things. But we have to have that faith. We have to have that trust in him in all things. Do you have that faith? Do you have that trust? You know, that's, that's the thing we have to go through because that's what I was talking about this morning and then uh, my little daily devotional is talking about those trust issues, talking about that faith. And, um, you know, in, in, in talking about God's timing is, is one of the focuses I was talking about this morning because it's so easy to get ahead of God. It's so easy to, you know, you don't want to wait on God, you know. And um, it, it is, it's so easy to... I don't know, take things into your own hands. And what I mean by that is uh, we get ahead of God. There's a lot of, there's times when I've prayed for things, jobs and situations, even relationships. And even though I should have really waited on God and really prayed about it and be like, you know, God, let me just trust in you. Let me have faith that you're going to take control of this. But it wasn't happening fast enough. So because we, we live in this instantaneous world where we want everything just like that. You know, put it in the microwave. It's done just like that. You get on your phone just like that. Used to, as I was talking about this morning, if you downloaded a song, it might take 24 hours to download that song. You know, you think, oh, they can't wait to hear that song. Now, if it takes 30 seconds, what's wrong with this stupid thing? Why just download it? You know, so I get a phone call, not every five minutes from my dad. What's wrong with this stupid thing? Why, why ain't this working? I don't know. I'm not with you. I don't know what's wrong with your phone or your internet. You know, I was at Disneyland and he's calling me. What's wrong with my email? I'm on vacation, man. I don't know. 
You know, we get so impatient. And that's our problem uh, as Christians. We get impatient. We don't trust in God's timing because of our lack of faith. We, you know, we have a, an idea of what we want. And sometimes God tells us no. We don't want to hear no. Just like a toddler who, you know, I saw I was talking about this morning. It's like a toddler and, and who wants to put a metal fork in a receptacle. You know, we tell them no. And they're throwing a fit. Why? I don't understand. You know, they're crying and going berserk. Because we know they put that fork in that receptacle. They're going to fry themselves. God, who is all-knowing and all-powerful, who knows far more than we do, sometimes tells us no because he knows if we go down the road we think is great and best, we're going to get ourselves fried. And so when we hear the word no, we're like, like the toddler screaming and crying and don't understand as to why. We have to have that faith. We have to trust in God's timing. We, and, and that's one thing we have to pray about is God to increase that faith in us. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us, we just talked about, from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through the faith. You know, you look at Abraham, Jonah, Noah, these, you know, they, you know, had the uh, future promise of what was to come. They knew that Jesus Christ was going to fulfill the law. And, and just as we look backward to the cross, they look forward to the cross, all right? And so those same promises that are given to us was given to them. And so God didn't let him down. You know, I, you know, the God of the Bible is still the same God today. Nothing has changed. And, I, you know, and I think sometimes we think that um, there's, a, there's a different God or uh, that God is different today than he was then. And he's not. He's the same God that loves us. And a lot of these rules and regulations that we saw in the Old Testament that we're no longer bound by us because so the Israelites, he was trying to separate them from the pagans. He was trying to keep them on the right path so they wouldn't follow after false gods and follow after false religions. And that's why he was so strict on them. And even as strict as he was, what did they do? They still rebelled. They still went after false gods. They still went after false religions. And look at Christians today. What, what, look at so many Christians. What do they do? They're chasing after false idols and false religions and false. And what I mean by that, look at the amount of churches that have yoga in it. Uh, Dad wrote a little expose on yoga. Man, I tell you what, I post that from time to time just when I see uh, people, people go berserk. They do not like to hear that at all. Well, what's wrong with that? That's nothing but a bunch of stretches. But they don't understand what that those stretches represent different deities and things. And, and it, it just amazes me how a lot of New Age philosophy has infiltrated churches and, and how so many churches water down the gospel. How many so many churches don't stand on the whole word of God? You know, and it, I'll be honest with you, it is frustrating as a pastor. When I, I get online, I see some of these churches that are, are full and, and, and I think, man, what are they doing that we're not doing? But you get to look at what they believe and what some of their philosophy will you know, everybody feels good and everybody gets their coffee when they come in and everybody's patted on the head and say, you're doing a good job. You keep up the good work and the sunshine and happiness and paint little happy clouds. Well, no wonder. There's no conviction of sin. That's what I was talking about Sunday. I hope I offended you. And everybody's like, what is he talking about? Because I want to offend you. I want to make you feel convicted. And I want you to know that you need to repent. That's what the law was to direct us into the right direction. See, that's what the law did is to make us look internally and realize 
that, there, that we, there are things that's got to be addressed, that there's, there's problems there to get us in the right direction, to direct us towards Jesus Christ, to understand that we are in need of a Savior because we can't do these things on our own. And that's what I, why I want to, when I, when I speak, when I teach, when I preach, that I want to direct you in the right direction to convict you to like you look internally and realize that I am in need of a Savior. Or if you're saved, to look internally and be like, man, you know, uh, gosh, I didn't realize that this was, you know, uh, this was wrong or maybe I shouldn't be doing this and, and I need to repent this and give this to God. And, and like I said, I'm, uh, I'm not reached some level of spiritual enlightenment and I'm just better than everybody else. I, like I was talking about this morning, 99.9% .9 of the time when I preach and talk about it, the, the very things that I'm having to work on. You know, that's like Dad told me a long time ago, the one reason why a lot of people go into psychology is because they're so screwed up and messed up. They're trying to find help and answers. I know I'm screwed up and messed up, and I need God. You know, I, I know I do. And so there's, that's why I need God's Word to convict me and say, hey, I'm going down the wrong path. These are areas I need to fix. These are areas I need to work on. Because if it wasn't for God's word, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I would be the most hate-filled individual. I would be the most unforgiving individual. I'd be the coldest, meanest person out there. And uh, Brandy says that's just be on a Saturday night. But you know, I, I. But the fact of the matter is, I've had a hard heart. But it's Jesus Christ that gives me a softened heart. All right, a tender heart to realize, hey, I can't live like this. I have to have forgiveness in my heart for other people. I cannot be a hardened person. I can't hold grudges. I can't because that's what God's word tells us, and that's, those are areas I I've really had to work on and continue to work on. I don't want to have that hardness of heart. I want to have that tender heart uh, to serve Jesus Christ mildly and totally, and that's what the law was doing. It was pointing the path to Jesus Christ. And so that's what that, that curse is, that, that, that curse of the law. So if you try to, uh, to fulfill every letter of that law, we're going to fail. If you try to be good, you're going to fall. There the only way is Jesus Christ alone. It is faith through Christ. So, you know, it, we do works because we love Jesus Christ. We do because we want to please him. But that's not what gets us into heaven. Unlike other religions, you have to work. You have to atone. You have to do certain things in order to reach these levels of enlightenment. You have to do all these different things. It's only God. It's only Jesus Christ that gives you a free gift of salvation. You don't earn You don't work your way. You don't earn it. You know, all these other religions, you have to do all these different things. Uh, whether it's different pillars of Islam or different levels of Buddhism or whatever it may be. Jesus Christ, the only one say, you ain't got to do a thing. It's a free gift. It's a free gift of salvation. And so all you have to do is accept it. And it's just amazing to so many people who reject that free gift that God's given me. To me, I'd be like me walking up to Hoppy and saying, Hoppy, here are the keys to a, uh, I don't know, a Ferrari, brand new Ferrari. And he'd be like, Nah, I don't want that. I'm like, Hoppy, I'm giving you the keys to a beautiful, brand new Ferrari. I ain't got no need for that. I just want bold truck. <laughs> Sadly, he probably wouldn't say that. But anyway, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> that'd be, you know, here I'm trying to give him a free gift. And he's like, nah, I don't want that. Look at so many people that you're trying to offer them a free gift. 
of salvation, eternity. But they're so wrapped up in the world and their own selfish desires, they reject what Christ is trying to give them. That's why we need to make sure as Christians that we're always demonstrating the things of Jesus Christ, that our actions, our words, our thoughts, our deeds are demonstrating those things of Jesus Christ, that even though they may reject it initially, maybe over time, you know, you've always heard the saying, you may be the only Bible some people ever read, maybe over time they can see how you react to certain situations uh, and your attitude. And like, you know what? What is it? What is it that they've got? How can they endure hardships? How can they have the attitude that they have? What is it that they've got? I want what they have. You know, that might be the very thing that draws them to Jesus Christ. You know, and, and it's, uh, you know, I always find it, you know, I've told Brandy before, and sometimes it's kind of frustrating. You're thinking, you know, I've witnessed this person, witnessed this person, witnessed this person. They tell me, no, no, no. Then they go to this other church and they get saved. They're like, what is that about? You know, I don't understand. But here's the thing, though. We are just to plant the seed and somebody else may water the seed and somebody else may bring it to fruition. You know, so hey, either way, you did what you're supposed to do and the end result was they got saved. That's all that matters, you know? So it doesn't matter uh, how, they, uh, how they got there. The fact of the matter is God used you in a way to get them in that direction. So that you should be happy about, all right? So just realize, I, I, mean, I realize this may have been a kind of a difficult topic or maybe it not have been, but uh, when I was praying about you, know, Lord, what do you, what do you have me talk on this evening? And uh, uh, the, the scripture come, uh, come to me and I thought, well, you know, it might be a good time talking about, talking about the law, talking about redemption and uh, talking about God's saving grace and uh, how Jesus Christ come to fulfill the law. So I hope you gleaned something from this, something you could use to uh, further your spiritual journey and walk and uh, make it applicable for your daily life. So if you will stand, we will close in a word of prayer. Appreciate you all coming this evening. Invite you back Sunday morning. And as we dive into God's word again, and so I hope you all have a good week. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, we love you, we praise you. Lord, thank you uh, for another opportunity to spread the gospel message. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your atoning work. And Lord, let us serve you mightily each and every day. Let us never take for granted uh, what you've done on the cross. Lord, let us uh, be very appreciative and uh, treasure what you've done for us to save us from a very real hell. Lord, for anyone watching or here tonight that doesn't know you, let him pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, be with us. Lead God and protect us from me again. Lord, please again heal my grandmother and uh, let her get to feeling better. And Lord, uh, just uh, keep her safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a good week.